Okay, with uh, Tannen J. Risden again, uh, the Red Lady from Foley Street is the short film. We talked a few months ago, I think like four or five months ago, on uh, his short film, Tag Sandwich, another Vancouver Film School film. This one, the Red Lady from Foley Street, is, I don't know, what do you want to call it? A slasher comedy? Is that a good way to call it? Yeah, I think that's like the best definition for whatever's going on there, yeah. (laughs) Girlfriend revenge movie? Yeah, like it could fall into that category as well, for sure. So tell me about the is it the same DP that you used uh, from that take sandwich of this film? It's uh, not the same DP. A lot of the same crew, though, because um, you know, just from school, like it was mostly just working with friends. But um, yeah, different like key crew, but similar people. So. So we're like I gotta because I love well. the, the I love the art direction and the costumes that were in in this in this particular film. It's like it kind of has like a timeless feel to it. Is it supposed to be like modern kind of era kind of film film or? Well, we were we were going for eighties because um, okay, like when you're making a slasher film, you just immediately kind of think of the eighties and like the classic slashers. Like that's like kind of the the birth of like the, the really good ones and like the golden era of the, of the slasher. So I just watched a bunch of them and like, and that's like where the art direction and production design, um, the production designer, like just took all their, I just kept sending them images of like basements from the eighties and like costumes from the eighties and stuff like that. So it all, it all sort of worked out. It looked, uh, it, it definitely has like that kind of feel to it. But you don't know at the same time you don't you don't say that it's the eighties, I guess, right? Yeah, I don't think we ever outright said it. And if we could have afforded it, there would have just been it would have been chock full of eighties music too. Yeah, <laughs> so gotcha. You would have known then, but <laughs> like what would you put in if you could like the the the, the slash or the cure or who would you put in? Oh, you know, a little bit of China <laughs> crisis and I wanted to I wanted to open with wham um what's that song called uh like uh jitterbug you know i can't remember what the song's called no no wake me up before um, you go go yeah yeah wake me up wake me up there's a famous movie from that like i've I've seen ben stiller when i when i hear that song but i can't remember oh yeah man (laughs) yeah you're so right i like i did a bunch of um like uh sort of test footage for this film i just shot on my phone yeah and like for all the scenes i was just putting on like 80s music just to kind of give it the feel but but then at the end we i showed the composer brandon all of those songs and he just sort of made some sort of like this very nice synth led sort of you know put a lot of reverb on a snare drum and just made some 80s tunes that just really fit the film pretty well okay so uh wake me up uh i just remembered it wham from zoolander when he goes to with all his his male models and they go to the gas station and he blows them all up there it is and they got the gas and they're spraying the (laughs) gas everywhere and then he lights them oh yeah that's one of the yeah that's that's cinema history right there Okay, so what what slasher, what eighty slasher movies did you uh, did you guys watch uh, to prepare for this film? I'm curious what you guys what you watched. Yeah, we watched a few. Um, we watched Scream. Okay, uh, that's not eighty. So. Scream is. It's nineties. 
Beamer's name? Uh, this is my era, right? You're you're young. Is that an, okay? Well, if it's nineties, Scream was nineteen ninety. No, fair enough. I think okay. Well, then we watch, and then and then this is funny because this isn't even eighties either. This is Texas Chainsaw Massacres. It's like late seventies. Yeah, seventies. Yeah, but then, it's got that eighties vibe to uh, it. Yeah. We watched. We watched. Yeah, and then we watched all the Evil Dead. So I believe number two was in the eighties. Um yeah. but the other. I think the first one was made a little earlier, but those were great. No, they're all eighties. Like the all the all the like Evil Dead movies are eighties, yeah. Except for the third. Are they all eighties? Okay, yeah. Eighty one so is the, the first I, at least, one. Then eighty seven. Because we were. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the second one was the one that I like. We screened a few films with the crew, and the second one we watched, and that was great because we got a lot of inspiration from that. Um, as you could probably tell from like yeah. the eyeballs and fun stuff and. What else? We watched one more that is fading out of my. Um, is it Carrie? Carrie is eighty. Yeah, Carrie. Yeah, I think that's the seventies. Yeah. Too. Okay. Yeah. I. Yeah. That that was those were the main ones that we watched, and then um, we kind of like just. I mean, I've seen I've seen so many, but I'm just blanking on, on them right now. But it was like I, my like, DP uh... Max. Um, like we uh, we're on uh, Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, Friday the thirteenth, and um, um, what's the one? Uh, Nightmare, on Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. yeah, Elm Street for sure. Um, so yeah, we we checked out all of those, and then like even there's this there's this short film on on YouTube, which is like the reason that we made this slasher to begin with. It's called Tree Range, and I recommend it. It's it's about Christmas trees like rising up and like killing humans um, because they've been being chopped down for years. It's really dumb, but it's just like, it's a hilarious concept. And my, my DP Max showed me it. And then that was the reason we made a slashers because we just thought it was looked so fun to do. Oh yeah. This is pretty cool film. It's like, it's all kind of, it's also the basement vibe too, right? Where like, I'm sure basements existed like before the eighties, but I like we had a we had a furnished basement in in the night. I think my dad built it in the nineteen eighties, and I think we were like one of the first houses on the block to have a furnished basement. So maybe this came it came into into uh, into prominence during this time. But it's like yeah, it's the whole like teenagers in the basement, kind of like having a party, and then shenanigans take place. I guess right. Yeah, like I don't know why, like it just it, when I when I think of like a basement like that, especially with the wood paneling on the walls wood paneling like, yeah you know 100%. like like yeah the grounds like just a bunch of like old rugs and stuff like that and and like the lava lamps and all that it definitely like it was it was all deliberate and the wood paneling was like one of the most expensive things on our whole budget because we had to buy like the wood because we built the set and we had to buy the wood to cover like the holes and we had to stain it and everything and it was just a lot more work than like I expected. <laughs> oh, you build it. It's good, great art direction. Cause I, I assume you just went to somebody's house who didn't kind of, who didn't remodel. We, we looked for location for a while, but just no luck on that old school eighties basement. So yeah, we, we had the opportunity to build it in a studio at Vancouver film school and with um, our production designer, Marika, and then the construction coordinator, Josh, like, took it was so much work it was probably the hardest thing we did on the whole film but we got it done just in time 
so we like but it's got a modern kind of twist to it where like the female is the hero or you know or the antagonist however you want to describe it but you know the 80s were but always the woman was the damsel in distress it was always some psychopath male going after the you know the the woman who can't take care of herself role but in this version your film the woman takes care of herself i guess right yeah i mean i think i would probably credit that um mostly to the screenwriters uh haya and pablo but also to I think that just the discussions we had, like I always loved the idea of like the like even even in Scream, um, what's the girl's oh, what's the girl's name? Sydney. Cindy? No. Yeah, Sydney. It's Sydney. It, it, yeah, Sydney. Like yeah, she kind of she, she kind of has that like empowered like like ninety percent of the time the women in horror movies are very like just like they just scream high pitch and then get stabbed. Like that's their whole character should just be terrified. But, and even like, I think of movies like the Terminator, <laughs> you know, like just with like a badass woman as the, as I think it's just so cool. And the I think film. especially yeah. from the yeah, Terminator too. The yeah, first like one, it, she's the damsel of distress, right? Then, then she works out. No. And, yeah. But I, yeah, no, I'm talking James Cameron's. Yeah, for sure. Cause then, it's just like full badassery from a female. And since we, we cast this, this girl named Ina, she was just, she does such a good job at being like so innocent and helpless, but then like can really turn it on and be like terrifying, yeah. which is funny because she's a really normal, nice person. <laughs> so you see, you're watching your other film. I've seen two of your films and the other one, there's this, this like dark human comedy to it, right? And I know this one's a little bit crazy, but there's still that kind of human element where like she's pissed off that her, that her boyfriend's cheating on her. And this is how in her fantasy, because I'm going to call it a fantasy. This is how she's going to react. Right. Because as soon as she takes the, the person's eyeball out and the person's still standing up, you know, it's a comedy, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hope it didn't take you that long to figure out. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. But yeah. that was like that. That took it to the next level. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like it's kind of like in her mind, like her revenge in her mind, I guess, right? Or it could be reality, but I'm just saying, like, it's sort of like you have this, like, even with Take Sandwich, it's like these kind of like these kind of like dysfunctional characters, and you're kind of taking them to the limit, I guess. Yeah, I um, I never really even thought about the, the parallels there, but yeah, I I think I I do always like the idea of a character just being pushed to because that's where you really learn who somebody is at the end of the day like when somebody's just pushed to like a place they've never been like in take sandwich when he gets yelled at and all that and, and you know he just has to eat the sandwich and it's just everything goes crazy and then in this film like having to sit next to this girl while her boyfriend's cheating on her and just take it <laughs> like i like the idea of people getting put in a put into a corner and just see what they do, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's a really great uh, film too. It's like the way, like the way you're shooting it. So you're shooting in a studio, like tell me about the, so you, I guess you're saying your help with the, with the site decoration. Did you work with like a, with a school, like someone that from the, from the program, a production designer on the film and like, well, sure we, all the costumes are matched in the, in the, in all the, the background is matched. Yeah, well, uh, we worked with like a production designer um, who like sort of designed the whole set 
on some like uh, sort of some some programs where we could kind of place things and we i knew we wanted like a staircase and stuff like that to make you know you're in a basement um and then the art director was sort of in charge of all the fun stuff that you see in the room like all the posters and stuff um most of them are just photos of the crew if you could tell or not and then like fake movie posters and fun <laughs> stuff like that um but yeah like that was all just in this like this vfs studio um and the the set was huge but we we were complimented a few times just by like teachers told us like this is this is the only set that's been built in the school that actually doesn't look like a set <laughs> so that like lent to the movie so you weren't feeling like you were in a set because sometimes you can tell yeah like i told you i thought you were in someone's basement downstairs i thought that i like i said it's like for for your production i thought the the production design was spectacular it was amazing it was like this i thought this was so real yeah they did such a good job honestly and especially because you guys aren't from this era right like you guys like you guys are all i'm assuming in your 20s right early 20s so yeah it, it just is just it takes research because you know you want to get it like actually right and it's so weird because i feel an urge to want to make films from eras before i was born um and but like yeah you don't want to be the guy who makes it and then like the people who from from that era are criticizing it and going no that's not how it was <laughs> no like, I, you want to get it right luckily i had my mom you know who grew up in the 80s and all that yeah your mom <laughs> so she yeah she, my I, mom was a consultant how does she what does she think of the film she liked it i don't think she liked the swearing but she liked the film so that's good. <laughs> she liked she liked the blood and the gore. You know, I don't think she's got a problem with that stuff that much. She's um, I, I my grandma. That one was like I don't even think I showed her yet. I just I'm too nervous to. I don't think she'd like that to be honest. So, what do your parents think about you uh, wanting to be a filmmaker? Um, very. I'm lucky to have supportive parents. Um, so. They kind of just are saying, like, do your thing. They really know nothing about it, though. So I don't even really tell them everything. Like, like the things you actually have to do to become a filmmaker, like, it's not even worth explaining. Like, they just think that you just go and you just make a movie and then you make another one. And, like, there's <laughs> everything about being a filmmaker is the in-between. Making the movie is, like, 5% of filmmaking, which is kind of annoying. But, yeah, my, I don't think they know what I do, but they do support it. On that, that well, it's like any, I guess, any field, but this field in particular, it's kind of an artistic field where you can't, you can't, like, and you can't take advice from people who don't know you, this world either. I guess too, like, that's what I, I realized my, myself growing up is that you can't take advice from someone who doesn't understand the industry either. Yeah, so, and a lot of people like to give you advice, even if they no, don't. No, that's the problem because they think because they watch movies, they they think they know what the movie movie industry is about, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one of those weird things, right? Yeah. So it's like it's that was so there's like a list of raw rules that I had. Rule number one, do not take advice from someone who does not work in this industry because they can't understand it, right? So it's like it's like that with any field, like a musician or a sports person. You can't can't give someone advice who who works in this kind of like obscure kind of you know, interesting artistic venue, I guess. Yeah. And I, I mean at the level I'm at right now, it's like it's all about getting advice and then trying to decide whether to take it because you just <laughs> get it from everywhere. So 
Yeah, as long as you know what your thematic is and what you're trying to do, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. So you so now you're gonna go work. So you graduated, but you're gonna do. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming comedy is your thing. You're gonna get into comedy. I mean, like it. It's. I guess it seems to be what I lean towards because I I love comedies and I I love my favorite. All my favorite actors are comedy actors, and I love like SNL and sketch comedy and stuff like that. And, um, I guess that those are just the movies that like always come to mind. And anytime I'm writing things just become funny, but, um, the next couple projects I'm working on right now are sort of leaning away from like being a comedy. Like they're, I'm sort of leaning more towards some sort of, um, dramas and like sort of character studies, but they're funny. Like I'll never ever make a movie that isn't funny. Like there's no way <laughs> that I just wouldn't be able to do it, but people find different things funny, you know, like, so. Exactly. Are you from Vancouver, the Vancouver area or? I'm from Calgary, um, but I'm living in Vancouver right now and I don't uh, have any plans to leave just yet. Pretty expensive, but you know, got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It's like double the price of Cal Calgary. I heard. It pretty much, yeah, and it's almost tripled the price because I could just be living with my parents right now. But you know, <laughs> yeah. But you, you, what do you? So, what do you want to do? You want to like do some PA work in the industry, like get some, get your feet wet there, or what? What is your kind of plan? Yeah, there's a few routes. I find that at the moment I'm kind of doing every different route and trying to pick one I like because I am doing some set work here and there and meeting people, which is great. And then I'm also just like writing and um, working on my own projects. I did, I shot two short films like last month that I'm editing right now. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, just like, yeah, just, I think just trying to keep the rust off and like not stop too long. And then I'm also just working like just regular jobs just to keep the money coming. But um yeah, I, the next goal is a feature film. I might have to make a few more shorts first, but I, I've written a feature and the plan is to do a couple of rewrites and then go around the city with a few of my friends who want to produce it and try to get some, some money here or there. Can you say what the feature's about? Um, I, I, all I can really say, because it's, it's, a lot is changing, is it's, it's just a a a story about a, a bodybuilder and um just about obsession with being the best basically it was um the the guy who actually was the uh dp on foley street it was uh his original idea and then he asked me to write it and now we're now that we've written it and we've got like good um we've got a good base and we we have a lot of people telling us the script is worth making we're just kind of taking it into the next steps so I guess it's another. But 80s uh, hopefully that's the next thing. It's another eighties influence. Yeah, like, that sounds actually, like Arnold Schwarzenegger's story. Yeah, well, I watched a documentary which I strongly recommend called. Um, I think it's called Pumping Iron. Yeah, it's a nineteen seventy one documentary. Yeah, it's about him becoming yeah, and, uh, Mr. Universe. Yeah. Mr. Universe. Yeah, and it was. It was so inspirational and i i really haven't seen anything any movies on bodybuilding anything like that 
And it's a very interesting, like I've been talking to so many people that have just enlightened me on how crazy the world of bodybuilding is and how strict it is. And like, you know, it sort of mimics filmmaking in my head. Like to make a perfect movie, you have to be very precise and very detailed. And it's very similar to bodybuilding. So it's kind of nice parallels there. But um, I, I can't even remember where I was going with this. But oh, yeah, you said the 70s influence. Yeah, I'm very influenced by the 70s. All I've been listening to while I was writing is just funk, like 70s funk. I don't know why, but I think it's going to work its way into the script a little bit. Yeah, because that's yeah, that's Schwarzenegger. You just because he he's obsessed with he like in pumping iron, like which became a fun, like a huge classic film, right? Like it made it made him famous yeah. and it brought made him to a movie star where he, even though he's just like it's like he's like and I actually use a phrase from that movie. I think it's it's I think it's a brilliant documentary, uh, Shock in the Body, where like he's yeah. always saying shock the body, right? Like <laughs> and I use that all the yeah, time. Yeah. Like I use that phrase all the time because it's like because it's like he's that that's sort of his thing, right? Where like you gotta to get these muscles, to get that kind of like that flex that flexibility, all that thing. He's like, you gotta you gotta tell the body what to do, right? The body yeah. you gotta Arnold tell the body what a... to do. Yeah, he's that. You have to get the bomb. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. He's he's just a, a beast. I actually saw him once at like a motivational speaking thing in yeah. Edmonton, and it was just like the coolest experience ever. He's like one of my heroes. He's so cool. Did you see his documentary on on Netflix? That's like what I was actually going to watch right after this, which is funny. Oh, really? <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I just noticed I was on there and I'm like, I have to see that. And you should read his book, actually. His book is is, is phenomenal. It's like, cause it's, it actually gets My, into more detail of what, of, um, of what, what's in the documentary, but like his, his Austria upbringing is like that, like his, like way his, his dad was, cause his dad's all pissed off. Right. Because, well, he was a Nazi <laughs> and they yeah. just lost the war. Right. So they were like, they're all like, they're, they're, they're emasculated like as men. Yeah. They like, they just, they've, they've lost all their, their, like their instinct to live, their instinct to be men because they got humiliated. Right. So they get, they got yeah. the ones who survive, get their tail. They have to go back to the tail between their legs and he's got, he's got nothing left in them. And then all of a sudden Arnold's like pissed off at him because it's like, he wants to be like the big, you know, and I think that's what motivated him to to basically be who he is, right? Because of because Austria was in shambles, right? After, and that's when he was brought. That's when he was born, right? After the war, it's kind of fascinating the psychology of like these 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 guys, like who become like someone like become who becomes Schwarzenegger. So it might motivate it for your script. Yeah, I mean, he could have so easily just become a victim and sort of like just blame that and then live a a half decent life but he just used it to motivate him and i think that's like if that doesn't inspire you i don't know what does you know that's what his brother yeah. he had a brother like a year apart from him and his brother died early he died young and his brother that's what his brother what you just described did right? yeah yeah and he just he was fascinated with capitalism he was a, he was already a millionaire before he became a movie star yeah exactly so the next step is send the script to arnold Get him to read it. See yeah. if he likes it. See if he'll be in it. <laughs> that would be a dream. I bet you he would like it because it's like that's that's what he's doing now. He's like he's that's that's what he's got left right in his remaining yeah. years, right? So exactly. And he married a Kennedy. Like like this is this is the ultimate American dream, right? 
he's he, uh, his story is just all over the place. You got to read this <laughs> book. It's fantastic. My dad has it. I'm going to borrow it from him now that you said that. Yeah. It's yeah, it's one of the best biographies I've autobiographies I've read in a lot and like probably ever. That that and the shoe dog, the that's awesome. The Nike the one. That's pretty good too. So <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Phil Knight. Yeah. <laughs> so this one's fantastic. Like I said, you're on to something as a as a filmmaker. Like the way you showed it, your cinematography, you let you let the actors be and you don't like it's like even in the, even in the roles, like these are kind of like over the top performances like over the top characters, but you kind of center the performance. Like before we finish this off, do you want to talk about your relationship with directors, how you work with directors? Cause you, you seem to be getting these fantastic comedic performances out of everybody. Oh, with the, yeah. Working with the actors. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it, I think like it, it seems, it seems that on the couple of films I've done that it's important for me to like have a good relationship with them to start. Cause I want them to be comfortable with me. Cause sometimes like working with me is, is kind of weird. Cause I'm a very weird person. So, you know, like it, it, if they aren't saying their lines, like the way I want it all, like I, I tend to go up to them and be like, no, trust me. Like I want your weird, like some actors, especially at this stage, cause I'm working with a bunch of young, like up and coming actors. Like they're all very constrained and held back and, they're not sure when to let it out, when to not. Because if you let it out the wrong time, people yeah. then think you're strange. But I'm always like, give it to, like I want the full, the full weird. And then once it comes out, it's it's amazing. And you just, you see the funniest things from the funniest characters. Um, and like, I, I have no complaints with, with who I've worked with so far, but I love, like that's my favorite part about the whole, any, anything about filmmaking is just working with actors to get, like a performance that we're both happy with it's like such a good it's such a good feeling when they just nail it and you just you can go up to them and be like yep that was it for sure yeah and then i guess like if you do when it comes to the editing room do you like because i know you edit a lot of your films do you try to get like different diversity of the performances so you can have like lots to work with in the editing that's one thing that i i kind of make tough on myself if i am going to edit my own film then like I, I get mad at myself for usually I'll get them to say their line like 10 different ways. I'll just like, keep saying it, keep saying it. Let's try. And then when you get to editing, it's like so hard to pick the right one. And, and then you get so much funny stuff. Cause I let the actors do a lot of improv yeah. and then you're like, Oh frick. But now the movie's like 20 minutes. Say, oh, frick. I, yeah. I got to cut it down. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like you just, it, it's finding the balance between like all this funny stuff and then also making sure that you're actually editing like a proper like story that makes sense and doesn't just make me laugh but it has to make other people enjoy it too you got to serve the story right exactly i mean that's the most important part yeah that's amazing though but i think that sounds like a good problem to have though like you're like they have too much footage too much kind of coverage yeah yeah i mean the actors i've worked with always just give me the best stuff so it's it's always just like okay we have three takes and each time was awesome but each time they did something different so let's watch it 90 times and figure out which one's the best well fantastic man let's talk again let's do a trilogy uh when we show your next film at our festival i'm sure we're going to show uh show more let's make it happen i'm submitting i'm submitting the the next one i just did to 
to whatever the next month of festivals are for um for your festival. So I'll be there. All right, then. Thanks so much. All right, we'll talk soon then. Sweet. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks so